0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. One of the best shows
1: of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We
2: had a big bear of a man. It was called Mal Evans. It was on roadie, and uh, mm-hmm. I was coming back on the plane, and he said, "Will you pass the salt and pepper?" And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, "What, salt and pepper?"
1: Listen to season two of McCartney: A Life in Lyrics on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast Finding Matt Drudge.
2: and we're back with our american stories and up next a story about an art museum in somerville massachusetts but this art museum has a bit of a twist here's louise riley sacco with the story
3: i'm louise riley sacco and i'm the permanent acting interim executive director of the museum of bad art in 1993 Scott Wilson, an arts and antiques dealer, noticed a framed picture leaning against a trash barrel waiting for the collection truck to come by. The painting is a woman in a field of flowers and the wind seems to be blowing the flowers one way and her clothes a different direction. She's either sitting in a chair or standing, that's unclear, and the sky is yellow. It is a very compelling painting but it's, it's puzzling. Scott really liked the frame and he was planning to throw out the painting, clean up the frame, and sell it. But his friends, Jerry Riley and Mari Jackson, told him, you can't throw that out. It's so bad, it's good. And they hung it in their house and that that was the start of this whole thing. After that, Scott and other friends kept an eye out for really bad paintings in thrift stores, yard sales, things like that, and this collection kind of took on a life of its own. Jerry and Mari had a party. What it was was a housewarming party, and we had hung the paintings in around their basement and put up descriptions next to each one, narratives just uh, explaining what we saw in the pieces. And it was going to be a one-time event. And then it just never stopped. Um, The next morning, we decided that we needed to keep this going and continue the, the Museum of Bad Art, never dreaming in 1993 that this would still be going today. And it took a while and some talking and figuring on how to do that. And one of the um, moments that I always remember is we had a, there were five of us early on, and we had a time when we were kind of saying, wait a minute, is this just the five of us who think this is interesting? You know, maybe there is no, no wider audience for it. Someone had the insight that if you're walking past an art gallery, with a group of people and someone says, wow, look at that. Until you turn around and look, you don't know if it's gonna be really bad or really good. But either way, there's this instinct to share it and talk about it and have fun with it. And we decided we needed to be the people to plug into that. People in the early days just left the art or mailed it to us and we ended up with a lot that we didn't want because we do have standards. And our standards are pretty basic. One thing is it's got to be art. And to us that means it needs to be sincere and original and somebody trying to make an artistic statement of some sort. But something went wrong in a way that makes it interesting, compelling, worth talking about. We don't collect kitsch. We don't, there's no, no velvet paintings, no big-eyed children or dogs playing poker, none of that. No paint by numbers. And it just has to be that our curator, Michael, um, that Mike feels like something went wrong. It can be a very skilled artist who's trying something new or who just, just missed something and it got messed up, or for instance, selected a topic that just didn't lend itself to painting. Or it could be someone who barely knows which end of the paintbrush to pick up. The heart and soul is there and they, they just didn't have the skills to pull it off. The sincerity is apparent. You know, people try to make a piece to get into our museum and you can usually see right through it that this was someone just, you know, trying to to make something bad that doesn't uh, have the appeal of a sincere work. Mm-hmm. We have almost 800 pieces all together. We've never had room to show more than 25 or 30 at a time. But a couple of my favorites from over the years, there's a piece called Sunday on the Pot with George. It's a pointillist piece and I'm not an artist, but from what I understand, pointillism is hard. You know, all those little tiny dots to make an image. And this image is a portly man sitting apparently on a toilet with a towel draped over him. And as we say, the artist ran out of canvas before he got to the feet. The feet are not shown. It's a big piece. And all these little dots of paint and all the thought that goes into it. Why would you do spend all that effort on this subject, a portly man sitting on a toilet? I mean, it's just baffling. Um, so I, I love that, that one for that reason. Another one I'm very fond of is called Sensitive a small yellow piece and heavy black letters say, sensitive, going in different directions, but it's this big sort of insensitive, sensitive. And there's a little cartoon with stick figures that a man is offering his heart to a woman and she takes it and throws it on the ground and stomps on it. So it makes me a conversation where this man is saying, sensitive, you want sensitive, I'll show you sensitive, and paints this insensitive piece with the word sensitive, you know, in black paint across the middle of it. So, the, I mean, and, and on that piece, it, one of the things that makes it so appealing is there's so much emotion in this. It will never be shown in a fine art, traditional art museum, but the heart and soul really shows through. We can relate to it. You can't imagine yourself, most of us can't imagine ourselves doing even a Banksy piece. Never mind a, a Raphael or a, you know a Picasso. But we can imagine ourselves making these attempts and having something go wrong, and that's fun. It's also fun to look at a piece and really think about what's wrong with it, what is going on in this painting. And it raises the same questions that Fine Art raises. You know, why was this created? What was in the artist's mind? What alternatives might they have used? The parallels to fine art are are immense. I grew up in Boston, uh, less than a mile from the Museum of Fine Arts. And on rainy days, we would go hang out there. So from the time I was 10 years old, I was around a lot of, you know, very famous, wonderful art and some of the same responses I have to things in the Museum of Fine Arts, I have to things in the Museum of Bad Art, but we never have called a museum on it and said, you know, this is really not that good. It's, it's up to the curators of each museum to decide on their own. But the idea that we have to decide that this is bad and this is good is maybe not useful. You know, am I enjoying looking at this? And does it make me happy or make me think? Or, well, then don't worry about what the label is. I mean, I, I laugh a little bit at the, um, the popularity of Thomas Kincaid and his paintings of light, but there are people who think they're wonderful. And there's no reason that I want to stop them from thinking that, you know, if, if you think that, that that's wonderful, then enjoy it, share it, you know, tell your friends about it. Who gets to say what's good and what's bad? It's unclear (laughs) who or why in some cases. One of the values that we have brought, I think, to some audiences is that when people come into the Museum of Bad Art, they feel perfectly free to disagree with us. And that's fine, but they ought to be doing that everywhere. You know, traditional museums often intimidate people how dare you disagree with what the Metropolitan Museum of Art thinks belongs on the wall. It's hard to do. But we, you know, with us, you can, you can disagree. We've had fun. <laughs> That's huge. We've had a lot of fun. And we've, we've learned that a lot of the ideas about art that we've had are universal. We have followers all over the world. We've learned that artists are not as we feared at the start worried about having their piece in a museum of bad art because they, artists want someone to see their work, they want, they want attention. And um, we've learned that sometimes a, a fairly ridiculous idea can have legs and can uh, continue and grow.
2: And a special thanks to Monty for the production on that piece and for the storytelling. And a special thanks to Madison for her work on the interview. And thanks to Louise Riley Sacco And you can reach Louise and the Museum of Bad Art at museumofbadart.org to find out more about the museum. By the way, if you're trying to get in, don't try and deliberately make it into the Museum of Bad Art. They'll figure you out. It's just got to be art that had a good intention, but something went wrong. By the way, I love the logo on the Museum of Bad Art's website. It says, Art Too Bad to be Ignored. The story of the Museum of Bad Art, here on Our American Story.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woo a hand clapper, a high-fiver? I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void prohibited by law.
2: See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time is back for another round.
2: We had a big bear of a man, who was called Mal Evans, who was on roadie, and uh, mm-hmm. I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? and Pepper?
1: Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.